This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name's Andrew. And it's Remember November, week two. Remember, remember November. Remember, it's Remember November. Craig, did you remember? I remembered. Remember. You, Pepperidge Farm remembers. (laughs) You just said remember a bunch of times and then my brain did what my brain does because my brain's broken. Welcome to the show where each of us uh, take turns reading books and telling the other one and you, the listener, about it. And our theme this month is books we've read before, um, which is breaking breaking all the rules. (laughs) Well, breaking the one rule of this bad boys, bad boys. Well, so a hundred percent of the rules. We're very, we're being very bad boys this month because we are reading books that we've read before. <laughs> Normally, every week we read a book that we've never read before and we tell the other yes. person about it. But this yeah. month, no, no, no. <laughs> I want it's you to tell different. me about a book that you've read before, Andrew. Pick one randomly out of a Pick hat. One that randomly. You... All right. Let's just see. I'm just gonna scroll through my phone here, just like all the books that I've read before. Open the notes app. I'm going to tell you about The Indian in the Cupboard by Lynn Reed Banks. Okay, sounds good. It's Indian in the Cupboard, right? I have It is The Indian in the Cupboard. Cuz I have googled Indian and the Cupboard so many times in the last <laughs> Indian week and also the Cupboard. <laughs> that my computer thinks that is a book I want to read. There was um, a um there was a piece that somebody wrote on Book Riot about reading it, like rereading it again, and one of the things is like, okay, this is like a Native American and also what they're talking about is clearly a medicine cabinet. So can we call it the Native American in the medicine cabinet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Well, no, because it's not called that. So Mm. Lynn Reed Banks is a British author. Um, Her first novel actually was in 1960 uh, called The L-Shaped Word. That was pretty successful. She had tried to be an actress or not tried. She was an actress and then I think was also like a TV journalist. Is that where they got that show The L Word from? Definitely, Andrew. That's definitely where it, I think the L Word TV show was definitely about a woman who was living in a London boardhouse. That's definitely what it was. Um, uh, Banks, before she became a writer, she, her family was evacuated from Great Britain during World War II and spent some time in Saskatchewan uh, in the early 60s. She moved to Israel to teach on a kibbutz, and that's where she met her husband. And they had some some kids. And then they moved back to Great Britain. Um, and then I think ever since, she's just been writing books, just writing a whole bu- whole mess of books. Um, long time. Yeah, she, so she's she is still alive. I don't know. When, what's the last book that she published? I know it's been within like the last decade for sure, right? Ooh, it has been. 2010, she did a picture book, I think with her son. 
Uh, mm-hmm. One of her sons, um, Polly and Jake, and The Spice Rack are two different books that she's done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are pretty recent. So I don't know. As far as the the like Indian and the Cupboard series, like there were, I think, five books yes. in this. So The Indian and the Cupboard came out in 1980. Um, then there is the Return of the Indian in 1985, the Secret of the Indian in 89, the Mystery of the Cupboard in 93, and then the Key to the Indian, which is in 98. So when I read these originally, I guess the first four were out, and then the, yes. the last one came out in 98. This this was it was like this, and I think the Wrinkle in Time series were word series that I read like before they were done, and then like never went back to to finish. Yeah, and the, I think the Giver was like that too. There are a bunch of other Giver books that I never read. That doesn't make any sense, but <laughs> um, yeah. So the movie came out in 1995, I believe, and I think that's it's it, in my memory. I read of, of Cupboard Mania. Yeah, in the States. I read the book uh, right around when the movie was out. Like it was the kind of thing where I must have read it for class, and then we probably watched the movie, or I went to go see it, or something. And so it was surprising, even doing research for me for this episode, to realize it had been written in 1980. I thought it was newer than that. It's in that like that decade and a half of books that we read growing up in school where i really don't know when any of them happened yeah you right because it them. feels like they they had existed forever because we were like eight and didn't yes <laughs> very so true like, like, i'm just gonna see i'm just gonna like google when did the book shiloh came out because okay, i feel that's like shiloh was one of the Oh, wait, that's just getting me Battle of Shiloh. I'm just going to Google Shiloh dog book. <laughs> Put a sad emoji in there, too, just to make sure you get the right Shiloh dog okay, book. Okay, that came out in 1991. So, okay. yeah, it's definitely in the same milieu. Sure, 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 sure. Of books that felt like they'd been out forever but weren't actually. Well, and that's just that we had not been out for very long. And at from, that my time. Under, from my understanding, um, Indian in the Cupboard is kind of written at a fourth or fifth grade reading level. So that's like close to where we were at the time. Yeah, it's one of those books where the so the protagonist is nine years old. And it's definitely one of those where the reading level is set around the protagonist age to like help the help help you, the reader, identify more with that kid. Yes. Um, What else do we need to say about this book? Andrew, did you know? So which... Were there illustrations in whatever version you read? Yes, in the Kindle version that I read. Yeah, there were. And also the one I read originally. Okay. Um, So the original UK illustrations were done by our good pal Brian Jakes of the Redwall series. Really? Yeah. Um, And then the... The American... Are you 100% sure that that's right? Yeah. Are you sure it's not Robin Jakes, who was a different person? Oh, I was so excited. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, fact-checking is real. Fact-checking is real. It's happening in real time. Just doing my best here. I'll take a a blow on that one because we we need facts to to win out. And, you know, Jakes, I, I can see how you would... You would see the name Jakes and you'd get really excited. Yeah. Well, probably I saw Jakes they were the same person. Like British, similar name. like UK. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. was filming kids books. Um, and then I clicked on the on the Wikipedia page for the American illustrator, Brock Cole, and saw that he had written a bunch of books himself, including a book called Buttons. And some of his titles <laughs> are pretty good. Um, Don't hit me with some of them. See, there's some of his children's books. No More Baths. Nothing but a nothing but a pig. Favorite uh, Elvis song. Alpha and the Dirty Baby. 
and Luck- Larky Mavis. Larky Mavis? Yeah. And also, Larky Mavis teaches typing. <laughs> he wrote a young adult book called The Facts Speak for Themselves, which is very apropos for this podcast. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's... So that's the background on the book and on Lynn Reed Banks. Yeah, I think so. I will. So before we take a break, let's talk about. Let's just talk about. Let's just talk about it. What do you want to talk talk about about the thing for a minute? What? Which thing? So this book's called The Indian in the Cupboard. Correct. So just from the jump, we're getting into some problematic racial territory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. The book completely, constantly, a hundred percent refers to the you know the the titular indian as an indian yep. there's a lot of stereotypical speech patterns a lot of stereotypical elements a lot of things that go like partly challenged in a weird way or just unchallenged and so so when i'm talking about the stuff that happens i'm going to use the language that the book uses which i like is not un like problematic in and of itself but it's just going to be what i do and then at the end of that, I think we're going to talk mostly about when it gets like kind of it's um, when it gets why we maybe don't teach this book as we as often as we used to. Well, and listen, I don't know whether we do teach this book. I think we still do. I think we so still we, do. We, we could talk about my experience of reading it as a kid, like why I liked it, why yeah. I think it resonated with people. And then we can talk about why reading it in 2018 is kind of wild. <laughs> Well, and and we should also point out that people who knew a lot about uh, literature at the time were like, "Hmm, I don't know about this. I would, li- I want to talk about. I have some resources for that as well." Okay, cool, 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 cool. cool. So, let's, uh, yeah, I just, I just want yeah. everyone to know, like, relatively early in the show, that yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna try and hit all the stuff surrounding yeah. this book where we might not get to all of it but like we all we we do have it all like at top of mind when we picked it for the show to talk about and also as we're recording so just you know 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 that we're here with you yes. <laughs> being like faintly horrified at all the references to firewater and all that fun stuff oh i need a quick break and then we can come back all right bye <laughs> Craig, do you like your feet? I think they're okay. Do you want to treat them nice? I would love to treat them better than I do right now. All right. Well, if you want to treat your feet nice, the best way to do it is with some Bombas socks. Yes, friends, once again this week, Overdue is brought to you in part by our sponsors at Bombas Socks. Um, They are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. This is not hyperbole. This is scientific fact. Bombas has totally re-engineered socks with comfort innovations that add up to one way more comfortable pair of socks. Two years of research and development led to multiple improvements of the sock design, of its performance, and of its comfort. Craig, there's an arch support system that provides extra support where you need it most, which is in the arch of your foot, apparently, and it feels like a hug around your foot. They got a cushion footbed. They got stay up technology that keeps your socks up. They got a seamless toe that gets rid of that annoying bump on your toes. You know the one. And they have super soft cotton that you never want to take off. Never. And uh, one of the other cool things that our pals at Bombas are doing is one pair sold equals one pair donated. Socks are the number one most requested item in homeless shelters, but you can't donate used socks. That's why Bombas donates one brand new pair of socks for every pair they sell. To date, they have sold and donated over 9 million pairs. 
which is so many socks. That's a lot of socks. It's a lot of socks. Um, I wear Bomba socks every day, and I like them a lot. They're very warm. They're very comfy. It's getting cold out, and I like sure. socks. They feel like a good poem sounds. Okay, what do our listeners need to do to get some Bombas socks, <laughs> Andrew? need to go to bombas.com slash overdue. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash overdue, and you will get 20% off of your first order. Bombas.com slash overdue. Use the code overdue. Get 20% off your first order of some very comfy Bombas socks. Andrew, I also want to tell you about a podcast that is supporting us this week. Uh, Discord and Rhyme. It is a music podcast where uh, a bunch of folks listen to their favorite albums song by song. There are eight rotating co-hosts, four at a time, so it's not crazy. Uh, They take turns choosing a classic or favorite album and talk about it one track at a time, including background info about the band, the making of the album, and how they all discovered it in the first place. They don't restrict themselves to any particular era or genre, and so far, they've covered rock, soul, hip-hop, and prog with plans for much more. Discord and Rhyme is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and any other podcatcher. And every episode comes out every other Tuesday. You can find out more at discordpod.com or on Twitter and Facebook at discordpod. That's D-I-S-C-O-R-D-P-O-D. And yeah, there's a common question that uh, Amanda, who sent this in, gets they did take the name from Dur- from a Duran Duran reference, but the po- it is not a Duran Duran podcast. <laughs> Imagine having to explain that all the time. Like, no, I know, I know, I know. I know you're thinking it's a Duran Duran thing. No. It sort no, of is, but not. ranging yeah. Yes. Well, thanks to Discord and Rhyme for supporting the show, and go check them out. Again, it's discordpod.com. So, Andrew, I forgot to mention in the first part of the show that I went to Lynn Reed Banks' website. And one of my favorite things about author websites is when authors write an interview with themselves and they write <laughs> it as like a little play. And she did that, which is fun. Okay. Um, like when they write like a little FAQ yes. sort of thing. It, it's an that, interv- do you say FAQ or do you say fact? When I'm talking about video games, it's a fact. When it's anything else, I say FAQ. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, so Lynn has this uh, interview that's it's I is asking questions of me. Um, and, is you? Yeah. And it says, and then we wrote one called The Indian in the Cupboard. Ah, yes, The Turn of the Tide. Where did that book come from? It came from a little bathroom cupboard we had. Omri, her son, thought it looked shabby and wanted to throw it away. But I told him it was a magic cupboard and told him a story about it instead. Later, I wrote it into a book. So tell me what that book was that she got out of gaslighting her son. <laughs> so for starters, the pronunciation that I found most frequently was Omri. Oh, sure. Okay. Not Omri. But there is, a, I think there are a lot of schools of thought as far as <laughs> how this kid's name is pronounced. Okay. Okay. So our book opens with uh, Omri's ninth birthday party where he's been given a lot of presents. His friend, uh, Patrick, who is, seems like kind of a chump. Great. Love has it. given Omri mm-hmm. a small, a little plastic Indian figure, 
Omri is also given by one of his brothers a cupboard. It's called a cupboard. Like like I said earlier, it's it, the way it's described is more of a medicine cabinet situation where you would mount it on a wall, you put all your secret pills in it, and you would just hope that people didn't go through it when they came over to your house to use the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> that, that's a good like genre of kid present is like adult trash. Here. Adult trash. Yeah, because kids love adult trash. That's I true. I loved as a kid a big old cardboard box mm-hmm. that a much more interesting thing had come in like true that's the thing i miss the most about big old crt tvs is they <sighs> came in some very good boxes yes oh, can't fit get, in any of these get inside LCD those boxes. things yeah right uh, <laughs> so yeah he's he is given this medicine cabinet by his brother and then his mom gives him this key that is kind of a family heirloom of sorts is something that her um, grandmother, I think, used to used to have. And she used to wear it around her neck like on a ribbon, but the ribbon broke. And so now it's just kind of an odd. It's an odd end to end. OK. <laughs> so how do you how do you do singular odds and ends? I think it's just an odd and <laughs> end. <laughs> I've never thought about the singular odd and end. Like, is it just an, is it an odd or an end or is it an odd and end? How do you, oh man. I think just two of them, like you got one odd and one end. Are you the odd or am I the odd? I think I'm the odd and you're the end. Okay, let's move on. I don't like you this that, anymore. You got that butt on you. <laughs> so... Omri decides with the with the gifts that he's been given that the logical order of things is to put the plastic Indian in the trash cupboard that his brother gave him and uh-huh. lock it with the key. Like um, that's like well, an event. so so what is what has actually happened is that that the brother is like I don't like I guess it locks but I don't have a key anymore and Omri's mom is like well I have a lot of keys so why don't you try all my keys and see if any of them lock this cupboard and then the one that happens to work is this family heirloom one that's been around for okay forever. okay and that her mom doesn't even like Omri's mom doesn't even know what it went to originally like that's how long it's been around makes sense um so Omri does this and he hears some kind of like shuffling in the cupboard, but he goes to bed and then he wakes up and there are some more noises in the cupboard. And he goes and opens the cupboard and lo and behold, this plastic Indian figure has turned into a real man. Huh. He's very small. He's oh, like the- still plastic figure sized. Okay. Okay. He is a real man. And he is upset to be he there. surprised at his circumstances. That is for sure. <laughs> okay. So he takes his little knife, his little tiny knife, and he stabs Omri with it. Oh, wow. Oh, that's right. He does and, do that. Uh, yeah, and it's it's a thing that sort of convinces Omri. Yeah, this is really happening. It's not just a it's it's not just happenstance. Like this little Indian did stab me with his real knife. And. Omri is like he's he's very surprised and very interested in this because if you were a nine year old and your toy came to life, that's why would this be very yeah yeah that's why I think this book certainly registered for other nine year old boys reading this book. It was well, like so it's yo. like the Toy Story thing, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. you always wanted to pretend that your toys were alive in real life. That's what you do with them anyway. So then the idea that like it would come to life and stuff could happen and shenanigans or, or what, what have you. Yeah. That, I think that's like a critical part of this book's appeal outside of the classroom. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then, that's why I was into it is because all through the book, like Omri is very excited to like when, when he's at school, he's always thinking about getting back home and, and hanging out with his, you know, he, he always thinks of him as his Indian, Ooh. which is, which is a thing. And, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the, t- about the tension in the book because there is some like both in terms of, this little guy's personhood and like culturally speaking. Okay. Um, but yeah, he, he always wants to get back home and play with this, this fantastical new thing, which is, which is very real for a yeah. kid. Yeah. Like when I got a super Nintendo and my mom woke me up to show me that I had it and then sent me to school for the day. That's mean. I feel like I've told this story on the show like seven times. Well, you're really but that's sore how, about it. That's like, how, outsize it is in my brain <laughs> that's that's telling then that like not too many other similarly scarring things happen to you like, no, that's like good. I, didn't, I didn't have like a bad child <laughs> just my whole childhood was like getting game consoles that my dad had obviously opened and played with what already if, what if they had gotten you a trash cupboard and said now go to school Here's a trash cupboard and pretend that it makes your plastic toys go to, come to life and then come to school. Go to yeah, school. Yeah. It's fine. Um, so this and, is like, so how this, does this work out? What happens next? Um, so Omri and this this little man come to a surprisingly quick understanding, like the, the Indian, and his name is Little Bear. In some editions, in early editions, I think he's called Little Bull, but in almost all editions that I think anybody listening would have read, He's called Little Bear. Um, Little Bear comes to terms with his new circumstances like pretty quickly. Okay. And starts, you know, asking Omri for things. And Omri just wants to take care of this little man that he's brought into his life. Um, but the but the first morning he ends up like putting him back in the cupboard and locking him in there thinking, you know, keep him in there for a minute. I'm going to run down. I'm going to get something. I'm going to come back up. But he doesn't have a chance to. He goes to school. He's at school all day, and he's like, "Oh no, I forgot this little man in this cupboard. It must be very, very bad for him in there in the dark with no food and no nothing." And so he gets home and he opens the the cupboard up again, and it's the the figure is plastic. So as the series progresses, we get more information on exactly what like magic is at work here. But what we get in this book is. You need the cupboard and the key. Like just the cupboard doesn't do anything. Um, can and you, that's you know we we haven't we we don't know anything about else about any other containers that the key can open though it does come into play in in later. And are there later books like I could put I could put a toy in a different thing, but if I have the key, maybe it does maybe it works. Well, it, 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 yeah, it gets it gets. There's some pretty wild stuff that happens. <laughs> But the the conditions that need to be met is you need to put it in this cupboard. You need to use this particular key and it needs to be plastic. So like you put some matchbox car in that's made out of metal and it doesn't do anything. But you put a like, say, a plastic teepee or a plastic horse in and it comes out as a real teepee or a real horse with like impossibly like fine little details to to um, signify that, yeah, this was a full-size thing that I'm existed tr- somewhere in time. I'm trying to imagine another magic system that I've ever read about that involves strictly man-made materials. 
like <laughs> it's usually like like it's something like elemental metals or like burning plants or something Pl- like yeah, plastic seems pretty like you need uh, this specific class, combination yeah. of dead dinosaurs melted and turned into something else for it to work that's biz- that's kind of bizarre <laughs> It is Actually. bizarre. It's kind of like that song, How Bizarre. It and, is. And how bizarre it is. It is pretty bizarre, actually. It's very bizarre. And another thing that Omri figures out, like, fairly early on, is not that this little bear person, despite all appearances to the contrary, he is not merely a combination of different stereotypes, but he is a real person who has oh. been brought forward in time from a particular era. So, And um, shrunk down? Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's the size of the th- of the thing that of of the item that he was. Oh, so but like was I don't know, like if like if you put a couple different Star Trek figurines in there, and one of them was like one thirty second scale, and one of them was like a quarter scale. I think you just get like very differently sized like datas fighting each other. <laughs> but they wouldn't be traveling through time; like they're made up things. See, that's the that's the thing I don't really. I don't remember if the book gets super far into it because everything that Omri puts into the cupboard in this book is a historical figure. So little bear lived in the, uh, in the 1700s, like the mid 1700s in the time of what we in America call the French and Indian war though in Europe, it's, um, it's, it's just considered part- to be, a an, like a, the American theater of the seven years war, even though it began kind of outside of what the seven year window is. Um, and then in in Canada, because that that is um, one of the like key participants in the conflict, it's known as something else. Do you have the name the, of that, like the, to hand? The War of the Conquest, or the Guerre de la Conquête, or <laughs> or rarely, rarely, according to Wikipedia, the Fourth Intercolonial War. But let's go with Guerre de la Conquête. Guerre de la Conquête. <laughs> <laughs> So so he so, is yeah, a real so little bear, man. Li- little bear, real man from this time. So he, he brings pr- to life a like a medic from World War One. Oh god! He brings to life a cowboy named Boone who cries all the time from like the late eighteen hundreds. You know, cowboy times. Okay, okay. But these are all like he doesn't try to put in like a, a like I, I don't know what would happen if you put in. Like a He-Man. Or Luke Skywalker figure. or something. Or a Luke Skywalker. Like if it would be Mark Hamill just being like, yo, what did you do? <laughs> Not again. Oh, man. I'm really into alternate uses of the cupboard right now. <laughs> this That's... happens to me all the time. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah and it's it's not only are they all historical figures but they all seem to so this this goes a little bit outside of the main indian in the cupboard book but they're like when you bring a a new plastic figure to life in this thing time has also passed for them so this this world war one medic omer brings him to so he is he brings a plastic horse to life because little bear decides he wants a horse and as Omri like picks them both up and like carts them around, the horse gets spooked and kicks little bear and Omri like doesn't know how to treat a wound. And also things are happening on such a small scale that he just like doesn't 
you know, he doesn't have, have a small tools. enough bandage. Yeah, like no. he just can't do it. And so he digs around in his in his toy chest and he comes up with this World War One medic. And he brings him to life and he's like, hey, you're dreaming. Patch up this Indian that I have and then I'll send you back. Oh, I forgot about that. And he brings him back again later and he's like, oh, hey, it's you again. I man, I I heard like a bomb like coming down on me, and I you know I choose I I guess I choose to go to sleep and have these weird dreams at exactly the right time, and like the plastic figures can die in their own time, and then you can't bring them back anymore. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. So they're, they're, it's like all these timelines going forward like simultaneously but starting from the moment that you bring this plastic figure to life the first time kind of god i'd have to read all of them again and i like i was reading i was and that's part that's part of the sticky thing of this book is it raises all these weird like time travel (laughs) metaphysical questions (laughs) yeah i was i was scanning some of the synopses of the other books and i didn't expect it to just go full outlander on me like i didn't expect there to be multiple timelines and like jumping back and forth in time which i think well, happens and, and later books also get into what happens to you in the time that you're from when you are when in you're gone cupboard land oh god it's not just it's not just a thing where you disappear uh-oh it's like a thing where you're and again this is getting into spoilers for later books but it's a thing where um Man, I, was, I just something on this Wikipedia page caught my eye. Apparently, in the movie, um, one of Omri's brothers is played by um, Vincent Carthizer, who was Pete Campbell <laughs> and um, Angel's son Connor on the show Angel. So I just got to close this because I I'm gonna be thinking about that. Is, is for do the you next go like hour. do you go like comatose in your own time or something? You do, yeah. So you go comatose, and there there are. I don't know. In in the later books, there are definitely there there are some times that are like, yeah, I'll just let you be in a coma for like twenty years, and then there are others where you being asleep indefinitely, with no apparent cause or cure, is a thing that people get fed up with. Huh? You know? Yeah. So what is the like? Because it's a it's a kids book. I think sometimes they like here's an interesting situation. Here's a magic trash cupboard, and like. <laughs> Let's just kind of play with it for some chapters and and see what happens. So, like, what is the like? Is there a central conflict? To the yeah, book? I, was, I was I was waiting for you to say the word conflict. So the main conflict is that Omri has discovered this wild thing, <laughs> and he has a little man living in his room. Okay, okay, <laughs> and. So he is all agitated, and his friend Patrick knows that he's agitated. And Omri wants to tell somebody so desperately that this thing has happened. And he so, he, so he tells Patrick. And the main conflict in the book is that Patrick is a weenus. Oh. And he cannot handle the secret. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that Patrick insists, oh, you have a little man. I want a little man. That's and bad. And Omri is like, well, this guy is kind of a person. And... You don't really understand like it, it. it's he's a real guy like you can't just yeah you, you can't just like do it so lightly you can't bring to life an army of people like what if they fight each other like what like you, you think about what you're doing like and Patrick yeah, this will is not some dark magic Patrick yeah dark magic with a K at the end of it oh man this like, is all bad magic stuff. yeah okay 
So Omri, of course, leaves his room with Patrick in it for just long enough for Patrick to bring to life this little cowboy doll. Okay. You know, a cowboy figure. And his name is Boone, and he cries all the time. So all the people in his time call him Boo-Hoo Boone. (laughs) Oh, man. Is that supposed to be like a he's not a typical cowboy situation? A little. He also speaks in a dialect that's like you and me doing a cowboy accent yeah okay good for like a choose your own adventure episode it is worth yeah again it is worth a reminder that banks is a british author not to say that like she can't venture into a story about the american west or not but i think that has certainly been mentioned in some of the criticism of of the stereotypes that are at play in this book um is that they're they're like very well established Hollywood trope type stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah. So the, so the main conflicts in the book, just like going forward to the end are one, Patrick doesn't understand the import of what he is doing Two, as a stereotypical Indian and a stereotypical cowboy Boone and little bear are at each other's throats a lot of the time. Okay. And Omri, like the other conflict is like, Omri's just trying to take care of this little guy and this little guy is like, oh, I, you know, I am, I am the son of the chief. I want to hunt game and I want a wife and I want this and this and this, like stuff that he would presumably want in his own life that Omri like has decided to take it upon himself to provide to little bear. Oh, like by like waking up other people. Uh huh. No, no. So there's one episode where, where one little episode. bear, where I mean, I guess you call it a chapter in the context. Sure, of there's an incident because books and TV are the same. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where uh, little bear wants some, like every time little bear wants something, like some tools or something, Omri's just like, "Well, I will, I will bring another figure to life." Like there, there's a oh, there's some there's some Faustian nonsense. There's this an older bad. like. A figure of like a chief with a headdress and stuff. And Omri wants to like take this and like a bow and arrow for a little bear. And so he decides, oh, I'm going to bring this guy to life and I'm going to gank his stuff. And then I'm going to turn him back into a plastic man. And so he brings this old chief to life. And he's an old man who is suddenly confronted with a boy giant and he dies. Oh, my God. He has a heart little, a little tiny heart attack and he dies. And he's a little, and then he gets turned back into plastic, but he's a little dead plastic man. That's, this all stinks. So it's getting pretty, like. Dire. Pretty, yeah. Is he, like. pretty serious, pretty fast. Is he, like, okay, so he's, does he succeed in giving Little Bear, like, hunting tools, so then he has to, like, bring to life some toy deer, so that. So he never he never gets to that point okay. because there's some other like shenanigans going on like Patrick's stuff is going on and Boone's stuff is going on. There's a bit where Little Bear is demanding a wife, and so they go to the little the local toy store and oh, they I... find a figure of a plastic Indian woman who Little Bear deems acceptable. This but stinks. when they get home, yeah, just bear with me. When he when they get home. Before Omri can turn this this plastic woman to life for Little Bear to marry, it's like one of his brothers, the pet pet rat, has escaped 
under the floorboards. And when Omri's dad had the floorboards up to look for the rat, like the key fell down there and like little bear has to go down there and like has to get to get the key and he brings the key back up and Omri brings this woman to life and then like cracks the cupboard door and, and leaves. And then the woman comes over and he, and she and little bear talk and like, Oh, well of course immediately they'd like, like she is is fine with being his wife and she starts doing like domestic stuff around the little house that he's built and this is, is there there is there any like acknowledgement that she could be from a different like nation no or, mm-hmm. oh absolutely not okay no wait did you say he cracked the cupboard like is or did you mean Omri, like he opened Omri the door? Opened a the door a crack. Oh, okay. I sorry, I thought he broke the cupboard. No, he didn't break the trash cupboard that his brother gave him. <laughs> Why would he do that? <laughs> and so then... the the book basically ends with like so there is a there's an episode where Omri brings Boone and Little Bear to school. I remember this from the film. Yes. Yeah, and um and he and Patrick get into a big fight. And Patrick has like ends up showing the principal the little people, but the principal like thinks that he's hallucinating or something. But this all like this episode plus the fact that Omri gets very 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 upset I think drives home finally for Patrick that these are like little people like actual people who you can't just like do whatever with like there is some weight to bringing people to life in this way and like bringing them around and putting them in, in your pocket. Like they're your toys and like actions of consequences and you can be responsible for things in people. So these are like, okay, these are good kidlet themes yeah, in, in, and, in a vacuum. And, and, and yeah. Okay. Okay. And okay. little, little bear and, and Boone through necessity sort of become more friendly with each other. But, like while they are watching a stereotypical cowboy movie, which Boone is very excited about. Uh, and again, we'll, we can talk in a, yeah. in a minute, like as we wrap up about how this book like interfaces with pop culture depictions of the cultures that it is depicting in pop culture. <laughs> is this like when Buzz Lightyear watches a Buzz Lightyear commercial and has, it's an not, no, it's crisis? not quite that way. I kind of wish that it had been more that, but no, it's not like that. Okay. Um, little Bear does shoot Boone Ooh. with a little bow and arrow. Okay. But he does, you know, he bring Omri brings back the World War One medic who's like, man, you saved me from that bomb. Thanks, bud. Um, hmm. And patches him up and he, and he lives and, and whatever. And Little Bear feels very bad about it. And they and then they become blood brothers. Oh, yeah, they, they both do. like cut their like a, their wrists open and then let their blood like mingle together. Yep. I've heard and then about Omri that. in Omri in here somewhere is like, man, this is super stressful. Keeping little tiny people a secret. And also they are little tiny people and I need to send them back to, to where they came from. Yeah. And so he sends little bear and his wife who has a name, but. It sounds, it's, unfortunately, like she is very inconsequential. Yeah, like she's... She's so a she, thing to be given. She's a thing to be given and, and taken, but there... It, yeah. Um, so he, he sends them back, he sends Boone back, and that's kind of the end of, of this particular book. Of this particular book? Well, because there are other books. Yeah. And I, that I th- believe involve, like, time travel back to... 
those yeah, like eras. in in the later yeah. books, I think actually the the French and Indian War is depicted. Okay, okay, okay. Like in it, like there there are actual like things historical things happening that Omri is interrupting when he decides to bring these little plastic people. Sure. Back so, into his in his house. So we were kind of chatting before we started recording. And okay, let's not talk. Let's not. Oh, we're not let's ready just there. Say, no, just like let's not call them Indians anymore. Yeah, that's <laughs> now not... we're free of the plot synopsis portion. Well, and it's... we have. I think we have in past books, like when we have said, you know, we're going to call them Indians because the book calls them Indians. I think we've gotten some some rightful criticism for that. We've gotten some criticism for that, and I I completely one hundred percent get that. I I am just trying to. I'm using the language the book uses so that when we like, as we are going to do now, when we criticize the language that the book uses, like that is grounded in like the text sure. more thoroughly. Does that yeah. make sense? That makes sense. I don't me. know that that's a, that's like a hundred percent defensible, but I think that's where we're coming from. Yeah. Um. So I want to get to your takes on it as like, we talked a little bit about its appeal to, like boys our age when we would have read it for the first time i love these books yeah yeah when i was a kid and even like trying to read past some of the some of the more ooky stuff i did still like i can completely 100 percent see why this would appeal to a kid still yep sure um but i i do want and i as i mentioned earlier like in 1991 at a uh at like a conference um two former presidents of the American Indian Library Association presented a paper called Wellwood and, and Mitten presented a paper called I is not for Indian, the portrayal of Native Americans and books for young people and called the series classic examples of highly acclaimed books riddled with horrendous stereotypes of Native Americans. Banks has created her quote Indian character from the mixed bag of harmful cliches so common among British authors. Um, and then in 1992, a school board in British Columbia removed the book from its libraries due to uh, off- potentially offensive uh, depictions of Native peoples. And mm-hmm. it was added back in, but also like added to a list of challenged material. Um, and the like the whole fact that it is a toy that comes to life. Um, I got this from the American Indians and Children's Literature blog. Michael Yellowbird wrote uh, a paper called Cowboys and Indians, Toys of Genocide, Icons of American Colonialism. Oh, boy. Um, And uh, Debbie Reese pulled a quote. Imagine if children could also buy bags of little toy African-American slaves and their white slave masters or Jewish prisoners and their Nazi guards or undocumented Mexicans and their INS Border Patrol guards. Um, and Reese goes on to talk about the fact that early in this book, they like talk about having a uh, little bear to play with, but neither one of them has a cowboy and like they need to, those toys go together. Right. And like, that's a wild thing because then as the book explores, like they're actual people, they're not mm-hmm. just toys. Right. Um, yeah. It's just this. It is interesting to me that these books did resonate and did succeed, and it is worth mentioning that since their success, people have been like, mm, I don't, uh. it's not just a 2018 thing to look at this book and be like, Ugh. yeah, I felt like I, um, I, I have 
a little like a tiny bit of perspective on this just like not just just so when i was a kid my dad was in the air force and for um three or four years he was stationed in south dakota sure um which has a pretty sizable native population like to to the extent that we actually had like some like powwows and stuff in our schools like there there were the there was this effort to make sure that native culture was like a part of the education, like not a huge part, but like a, yeah, like a, like a, a part that was there and that was like unique to, to those schools, I think. But, um, still like even, even so I remember like Thanksgivings, like being dressed up as like Indians and pilgrims with like yeah. stereotypical like, I remember that. stuff. And then there was, like there was a, an acknowledgement that this this like that this culture existed and that we needed to be aware of it and to like celebrate it even but it existed at the same time as these like pop culture stereotypes yeah that, for sure like i i don't know to the to the extent that they, i don't i don't know that they've fallen out of vogue entirely with with like kids of that age or with classes that are aimed at those age groups but definitely you know 25 years ago when we were little kids yep they were still like practiced yeah there's a really there's a really good article um for salon called i am not pocahontas by elisa washuta um that talks about that kind of early 90s like post starting with dances with wolves and then like going to pocahontas and last of the mohicans and there were like a lot of movies that were kind of grappling with the the American frontiers depiction in a way that was different from say John Wayne movies, right. but it did not grapple with the fact that like, Hey, there were 5 million people in 2010 who identified as American Indian or Alaska native in the States or, you know, the 500 recognized tribes and, and things like that. So that to me is part of what you just said where it's like okay we're gonna rep we're gonna attempt to represent these cultures because those people come you know that those they're represented in our schools and yet we're still gonna teach it as if it's the past we're still gonna like do the historiography thing well even we're gonna teach it but we're not gonna erase those like historical stereotypes yeah 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 yeah. Does the book attempt to it engage with like we were talking a little bit about the Boone stereotype as like oh he's this like whiny crybaby cowboy? Is there like an attempt by the book and maybe it's just doing a bad job of like trying to grapple with this stereotype? Yeah, like that that that's an interesting thing is that the book does in a few different parts like bring up that um, that like Omri's idea of what Indians are, of what of what Native people are, like is borrowed from pop culture and might not be right. So there's even um, um, not only was his Indian no mere toy come to life, he was a real person somehow magicked out of the past of over 200 years ago. It occurred to Omri for the first time that his idea of Indians taken entirely from Western films had been somehow false. After all, those had all been actors playing Indians and afterward wiping their war paint off and going home for their dinners, not in teepees, but in houses like his. Um, okay. okay. But, then, but then you get to Little Bear was no actor. Omri, Omri swallowed hard. 30 scalps. Phew. 
Ugh. So like he's like he's not a stereotype, but he did do the stereotypical thing, which was to scalp thirty people in the French and Indian War. Like what? Are you yeah, and I I was so there was also a, a review by Louise Erdich Erdich um, in the Washington Post of the sequel to this Return of the Indian, I think it's called, um, and she was talking about like misrepresenting uh, Iroquois. Uh, lineage which is like a matrilineal system traditionally and as i recall little bear is like talking about being his dad's like has being the son of the chief and that being right. a thing that yep. matters which is untrue mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and as you just said kind of the the really harmful warlike savage cliches that are that are throughout the book um and just well, the there, I- and there's even there's some i don't even know that a native person would refer to himself as an Iroquois. Correct. Right. Yeah. yeah the hot, the uh, Haudenosaunee, I think is that it means uh, people of the longhouse or, and so, or the yeah, six so, nations people also. So, yeah. so the book is like, Oh, I'm, you know, me, Iroquois, whatever, whatever. But also we don't live in teepees. We live in longhouses. So it's, it's a, it's the same thing. It's a tension between, wanting to get it right or to seem like it's getting it right, but also just like not getting it right. So Omri goes to his school library and even though, um, and we got this, we got this quote from a couple of people on Twitter and it was like, Oh, Hey, me or whatever. Now Omri <laughs> was not what you call a great reader. He couldn't get into books somehow unless he knew them already. And how, as his teacher never tired of asking, was he ever going to get to know any more books until he read him for the first time? So he goes to his library and reads this very dense book called the, called, uh, on the trail of the Iroquois, which is, it's presented as a dense history text. Um, and it says things like, Oh, the white man seemed to have made the Iroquois and the, the Algonquin keen on scalping each other not to mention white men french or english as the case might be by offering them money and whiskey and guns omri was deep in the book frowning heavily several minutes after the bell had rung someone had to tap him on the shoulder and tell him to hurry to assembly so it's both it's i don't know it's i feel like it's trying to have its cake and eat it too like it's trying to say oh i have i've researched this i'm aware that the depictions of native people in movies and in books is not like accurate so let me give you the let me show you a kid doing the work but i'm not gonna do the work well let me show you the the let me show you the kid doing the work but also this kid is gonna try and give this indian coke and the indian is gonna be like oh fire water yeah i also i think it's the next book where he like gets like he wins a short story competition for writing about his tiny native american man Uh uh-huh which is or like learning about him or whatever. And that gets to another thing that this Washington Post review that I found um, points out that just like the metaphor of being able to take this man in and out of the cupboard when you so choose is a really messy image in terms of how both America and, and Canada have kind of dealt with native populations for centuries. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that, that mixed, you, the, 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 the muddledness of that comes through in the book too. Although the Indian felt strong, Omri could sense how fragile he was, how easily an extra squeeze could injure him. He would have liked to feel him all over his tiny arms and legs, his hair, his ears, almost too small to see. Yet when he saw how the Indian who was altogether in his power faced him boldly and hid his fear, he lost all desire to handle him. 
He felt it was cruel and insulting to the Indian who was no longer his plaything, but a person who had to be respected. So it's, it's the, it's the same kind of thing where, yeah, this is a little person who is a hundred percent totally at your, like at your whim, but because the, like in the book does depict Omri as like being respectful of his personhood, but also like in a limited weird way. And like, sometimes it's not his first thought and other times that it is, it's, it's it's more often when he's being contrasted with Patrick that he seems like more sympathetic toward this this person yes. and more like respectful of his personhood. But it's it's a real mixed bag throughout. And yeah, it's it's one of those things where it gets dinged for blind spots that are very harmful um, because it is a really seemingly trying to do good work. <laughs> And that somehow makes it worse because then that's like, here, you give it to a kid because it's like, stereo- well, I think, I think that's how I took it yeah. as a kid, right? Yeah. It's like, I was like, oh, yeah, this this is I, – I wasn't aware of like what stereotypes were, I don't think, necessarily when I when I read this for the first time because I think I was probably a little bit younger than Omri is even the, in the book. But, yep, um, yep, yep, yep. But I definitely – took the things that the book was saying at face value in part because it seems like it had done some research like like the the bits where little bear is like no it, it wasn't like this it was like this or when omri goes to the library to look something up i'm like well, okay well you that you know story that's checks the, out that's the i don't have i don't i have to go all the way to a library somewhere and read the encyclopedia britannica and it's probably racist too so this all checks out for me yeah it's a really deceptive <laughs> problem right because it it is introducing the idea that history is not all what you think it is like right there's more there than what you gleaned from like you know top level sources you need to go dig you you need to go deeper and figure out a little bit more about what happened because the people who not everyone gets to actually write about history Right. Not everyone actually gets to yeah. contribute to, to what becomes, you know, conventional wisdom. So that's a cool thing to put in a kid's book. It yeah, just turns this... out that you put some other stuff in there that's not great. Lynn. Yeah, it's, it's this weird thing where like so history is written by the victors. These little plastic native people are created by like based on this history that's been written by the white victors. And then this little boy brings this native person to life. And then cares for him. And, and, and cares for him, but also this native person like reinforces many, not all, but many of the stereotypes. Yes. That have been presented by the victim. So it's, it's, it's a really muddled message. And it's it's too bad because I think the core like magical thing that that Banks has come up with in this book, like there is a little trash cupboard <laughs> that makes plastic things real. Like that is... That's bonkers. Like that's yeah. excellent. That is very good. And it's it's kind of neat. Like I hadn't really I did not remember at all that it had strict rules about like that he never puts in a robot. That he well, does and like in the later books even get into get into like plastic as a manufacturing material and oh, like man. as a as a thing that was used to make toys versus metal and like how how some people especially people who had been involved in like 
very carefully making like metal and wooden toys that would, would have felt about it because it was a like a cheap like easily mass producible but also clumsy thing oh okay but the, the i just that banks treats that with so much more nuance and care <laughs> oh, that no that the, that like native people get especially like native women yeah that's rough is it just kind of sucks and i i wish it didn't because this book is neat but yeah it's also like little bear said the indian pointing proudly to himself iroquois brave son of chief you son of chief he shot at omri fiercely no said omri humbly hmm snorted little bear with a superior look name and it's just that kind of is there any not toy this no good and fire i want fire is there even a moment where he speaks a language that Omri doesn't understand? No. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> That's like okay. Well, I, well, I I think at the at the very very beginning, he maybe makes some noises that Omri doesn't quite understand, and then Omri tries to establish that they're speaking English. But like from that point onward, it is it is all like. Omarid saying how and mm. all just all the greatest hits. Ugh. Okay. So it's coming back to this was it was a little tough because I knew that I loved this book as a kid. Yeah, yeah. And it was a little tough because I also knew just having been a person in the world for longer and absorbing a lot of, a lot more stuff that it was gonna be it was just gonna it was gonna be kind of cringy and that we were not necessarily gonna be the best equipped to talk about how cringy it is. I feel like we've 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 hit on the like tension, yeah, which is from our perspective, I guess the the important thing is just that we we came up in a culture where this book was kind of a celebrated work of of children's literature, yes, and it just happens to have aged super poorly, and now we're kind of sort of trying to deal with that. Yeah, I would recommend but, um, folks who are who are interested in in checking out like books about or by uh native people that you for for kids like you can check out that American Indians and Children's Literature blog. Like that is literally what it is. .blogspot.com and they have they have year-end lists where it's like that's a way to engage with some of these issues in a way that isn't about turning a historical person into a 3-inch tall plastic man. <laughs> <laughs> in a trash cupboard um yeah cause, and I'm, I'm totally with you like i really i like the idea of a book that is about uh realizing your responsibility to someone and realizing that you have misconceptions about them and and it is kind of about that yeah but it gets lost a little yeah. bit, i think because of mm, <laughs> and also like having any like book where you get to like have magic and your toys like that's just so exciting for a kid it's the same reason that kids like books about like pets that have secret lives like binicular or whatever it's just like <laughs> <laughs> you're just always dreaming about what stuff could be. like you're just projecting personhood onto stuff because you're trying to figure out what personhood is and it's a cool way to think through the world and it's unfortunate that 
this book takes those themes and devices and like runs aground on a bunch of really messy historical stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for taking a trip into the past by hopping in a cupboard in a trash cupboard and reliving oh, your welcome. emotions. I hope I did even an okay ish job talking about this book. I think you did. Um, I got to hear the story about the Super Nintendo again, so I had a good time. Um, if our listeners want to tell us uh, what they remember about this book or other kids' books that they loved that maybe haven't aged as well, they should hit us up at overduepod at gmail.com or facebook.com slash overduepod or twitter.com slash overduepod. A uh, bunch of folks sent us like voting pictures and have also been commenting on recent oh, yeah, that episodes. Was super cool. So I want to thank uh, some of the folks who reached out in the past week, including Valerie, Ellen, Rebecca, Lucas, Cheryl, Sino, Jackson, Marnie, Krista, Kara, Karen, Nick, Annie, Tysphine, Jennifer, Emily, Graham, Heather, Melissa, and many more who sent us stuff throughout the week. Thanks so much. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where should they go? They should go to overduepodcast.com, which is our internet website up there. We have links to iTunes, Google Play, and RSS, those are three ways you can use to subscribe to the show and get new episodes when they come out every week. We also have up there um, a list of the books that we are going to be reading for the month. So, Craig, do you just want to go through that real quick for Remember November? Yeah, next Again? up is uh, Passing by Nella Larson. And then you're going to talk about The Eye of the World, Wheel of Time, number one, by and Robert Jordan. I'm sucked right back in. It's bad. I might end up reading all these dumb books That's again. That's bad. I don't know you don't have time. We do have a that. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Get us out of here, Andrew, now. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. And until we talk to you next week, try to be happy. That was a headgum podcast. So they go up when when they've lost. They think they've lost this key, right? Yep. This is very. It struck me very funny and also very bad. Uh oh. I think they lost this key, so they're looking all over the house for it. Why and are you they whispering? Decide, they just, because it's bad, Craig. It's bad. <laughs> they decide to go up to the attic. Uh huh. And the attic is very messy. It's a messy attic. They searched the attic till supper time. Never had Omri so clearly seen the point of all his mother's urgings to keep everything in its proper place. The attic was just a sort of glory hole where they could play and leave a total mess. And that was what they did. Only clearing spaces when they needed them for a new layout or for some special game. You can't just say glory hole. What were you doing, Littery Banks? <laughs> is that like, is that a thing where because she's British, she doesn't know? I don't know if glory hole is a thing that has a different meaning in the UK, my dude. Yikes. Yikes.